0: good to be together. Yeah. <laughs> You're more awake than the first group. Okay, let's, uh, let's pray before we dive in. Father God, thank you that we can meet, and we can look at your word, and we can sing your praises, and we can ascribe honor and glory to you. Thank you for being here in our midst. Would you guide us, uh, teach us this morning, we ask, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Next Sunday, we're going to start a series. Uh, We're going to look at the Pentateuch together. That's not what we're doing this morning. Uh, This morning, we're going to do something that we do really every fall, and that is we take a step back, we kind of look at where we've been, and we talk about our mission as a church. Who are we? What are we about? And we say around here that we are a people who aren't perfect We don't want to pretend to be perfect uh, ever at any time. That is who we are. We're not perfect. We definitely, definitely embrace the truth about us. We are a people who badly need fixing. You know the person next to you does. Uh, We need a savior. You know the person next to you does. But here's the deal. We all do. We all desperately need fixing. We need, in fact, a savior, because there is sin in us that separates us, divides us from God and not just from God, but even each other. And the savior, of course, that we embrace and believe in and seek to follow is Jesus. And when we understand that, When we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, we begin a faith journey. We become something the Bible calls a disciple. It's a journey of discipleship. Part of being a disciple is learning and living with gratitude. Gratitude to God. Gratitude to Jesus Christ. Gratitude for the Holy Spirit that indwells us. Remembering all the things that Jesus accomplished all the things that Jesus did and all the things that Jesus continues to do for us. It's out of gratitude that we respond back to God. And we believe the way that we talk about it is we respond back to him by reaching up and reaching in and reaching out. These are patterns. These are practices that we see in the life of every serious Jesus follower Let me repeat that. These are practices that we see in the life of every serious Jesus follower. These are not things the church just made up for people to do to keep them busy. These are things that we see Jesus himself doing. These are patterns. These are practices that we see in his life. So if we follow Jesus, they become our practices too that's the point over and over and over in the gospel accounts of Jesus life we observe Jesus reaching up we observe Jesus reaching in we observe Jesus reaching out and teaching his disciples to come alongside and do exactly the same thing with him sabbath after sabbath we see that Jesus went to church Or more specifically, before his ascension to synagogue. That's where he went. In Mark chapter 1, verse 21, we read this. And they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. In Mark chapter 3, a little later, we read this. Again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand and they watched Jesus. They, meaning the religious authorities, watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. They wanted to accuse him of breaking the law, their interpretation of the law. In Mark chapter six, again, a little later, we read this. And on the Sabbath, he, Jesus, began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Now in Luke chapter four, we have a statement made. It's the same instance that we just read about in Mark chapter six, but in Luke chapter four, the language is pretty interesting. This is the language. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Here's the deal. Again and again and again, for Jesus, it was Sabbath and synagogue sabbath and synagogue because in the synagogue god's people gathered to worship his heavenly father god's people gathered to read and study scripture god's people gathered to pray to talk to the heavenly father they gathered to rehearse the truths about who god is and what he has done and how they could trust in him moving into the future this was jesus custom says luke so question what is your custom now you're all sitting here this morning so I'm kind of like preaching to the choir maybe a little bit but you know I'm also preaching to a camera where more than you but people more than you are are tuning in but here's my question what is your custom what is your practice what is your pattern in the course of a typical week For many of us, it has historically been weekly gathering on what we call the Lord's Day, what the New Testament calls the Lord's Day, which in the New Testament becomes, of course, the first day of the week. It's not the same day as the Jewish Sabbath, which was on Saturday, but it's the day of Jesus' resurrection. It's the first day. Day of the week, the Lord's Day. And we gather just like they did. We do similar things. We gather to worship God, to study his word, to offer prayers, to confess our sins, to hear the gospel, to give, to serve, to partake of the sacraments. And we do this because first and foremost, biggest reason, Jesus did it. That's why. Secondly, we've learned, many of us, that we just, we need this. We really need this. Uh, A third reason is gratitude, which wells up in us, has taught us that, that, you know, that it's demanded. Our, our worship is demanded of us out of gratitude. Um, <laughs> we do this because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, we, we talk uh, about around here, and in particular in a class called uh, Starting Point, we, we talk about the fact that we need to be reminded regularly of this message, the gospel Message The gospel is the truth about me that I'm broken, that I'm sinful, that I'm not who I'm meant to be to be. The gospel is the truth about God, that he's righteous, that he's perfect, that he's gracious, that he's good, that he's holy. The gospel is the truth about the world, that it's fallen. Things are not at all the way they're supposed to be. We know this as Christians. Things are broken, but we also talk about the truth of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and we're waiting on his return. And I need a weekly consistent rhythm of hearing about and rehearsing these truths. It's exactly what the writer of Hebrews says when he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Well, the confession of our hope is Jesus. It's the gospel. It's all this stuff that I'm talking about. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised Promise these things, promise eternal life, promised restoration, promise redemption. For he who promised is faithful. It's going to happen. And he says, let us consider how to stir up one another. That's an interesting word in the Greek, uh, paroxymos. It means to incite. It actually means to provoke, to initiate, to instigate. Usually it's referring to anger. It's like if I was to paraphrase this word in English, I'd do it with this phrase. I'd say it's to rile someone up, rile them up. And in this case, because there's a context, it's not talking about riling people up to get them angry. Paroxynos is actually saying rile people up to love and to good works. It's about getting them motivated. And one of the ways we do that, he goes on to say, so rile them up, paroximus, to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some. So this is interesting. Right from the very first days, the earliest days of the church, it had become the habit of some to just neglect Meeting together, gathering together, worshiping God, doing all the things that we've been talking about thus far. So we're supposed to rile each other up to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's what we do here. We rile each other up. We encourage each other to love and to good works. The best works, the good works are loving God and loving your neighbor, of course. So we meet because that helps us hold fast the confession of our hopelessness, Jesus. That helps us stir one another up to love and good deeds. Now, we also meet to kind of round out this picture. We also meet to worship simply because God is worthy of our worship. The psalmist in Psalm 96 says this, challenges us, actually commands us. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering. That's how you worshiped in the Old Testament. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness tremble before him all the earth and here's the deal friends we were made christians believe that human beings were sewn together in such a way to ascribe to the lord the glory due his name in fact we have kind of a reflective glory in us of his great glory imagine that's part of what it means to be made in his image. And you could actually rightly say, I think that is the purpose of a human being. If you're talking big picture, it's to glorify him. And because of that, understand, uh, our lives, every aspect of our lives can give him Glory! When we trust Him and obey Him and love Him and do good works and speak truth to one another in love, it doesn't matter really the circumstance, but when we do those things and we trust in God and we love God, we are honoring Him. We are giving Him glory. And one of the purposes of reaching up, doing what we're doing this morning, gathering together in worship, is to remember these things. To be reminded of the things that matter, maybe even matter The most that our lives matter and our lives have purpose because of our connection to Him, our ability to reflect His glory back to Him. Now, God is worthy of our worship. And and here is just the truth my spirit, my soul needs a weekly, like recalibration, you know, changing the dials. Getting me back to that baseline of spiritual health, a recalibration of remembering who it is that matters most and who counts and who's in charge and whose kingdom is coming and who is worthy. Because in worship, I get a a royal dose of being reminded that Jesus is the only answer to those questions. It's Jesus. And so we reach up. Now, reality check, okay? COVID has made a mess of this. (laughs) <laughs> it just has. Uh, at first, it was no public gatherings of more than 10. You remember those days. Uh, churches everywhere uh, kind of had to close down their their public gatherings. Many churches had to scramble to broadcast their services. We actually got to help a couple churches do that, that they didn't have the, the gear and the stuff needed to do that, and we kind of gave them a boost at first. Uh, this This meant that the best any church could do was broadcast its services out there and hope that folks would watch. And churches did that for like three months. And I got a really big kick, actually. I'm kind of a skeptic by nature. And I would watch some of the broadcasts that churches were doing. And they were trying to put, you know, the, the good spin on, you know, what was going on that we couldn't meet and all they could do was broadcast. And they were talking about now, you know, they're reaching, they're reaching millions more people with this and so on and so forth. And I just thought, yeah, I don't really buy that. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that, right? And now churches this far in with our broadcasts that are going out, we're kind of, we've kind been sobered a little bit, you know, and we're realizing that actually those numbers have actually dropped for most churches. Uh, so it's an interesting thing. It's a weird thing. Um, broadcasting our services and hoping people will watch, not gathering together like we're doing here for worship. Wow. Do you remember all the Zoom meetings? Some of you are still having to do this. You're still doing all the Zoom meetings. Uh, and that is awful. Isn't that awful? Ah, Most of us just got sick of looking at screens and tired of muting. Or forgetting to mute the mic. Did that happen to you? It did happen to me. Tired of looking at people's fake backgrounds. It's like, oh gosh, come on. You know, come on. Uh, and then our, our government leader said that we could start to gather in groups of 50. Approximately was the number for us in this room. And that, of course, is if you social distance and if you wear masks and things. And so we've been doing that. But let's be honest. Can we be honest? Yeah, of course Again. That's been difficult. Uh, That's not normal. It's not the best. Connecting is harder. Singing is harder. Interacting is harder. Communion, however, is easier because we have these little mystery cups. (laughs) <laughs> and that it happens faster i'm getting the thumbs down for this <laughs> but but you know it, it communion now is actually easier because of that but anyway point is this it's all really weird it's been really strange and stretching and challenging and weird and the long-term effects of this on the church to be honest are just uncertain nobody knows but i you know from personal conversations and i i think I know from just observation that for many worship as a regular rhythm of their life has gone right out the window right out the window some have given up almost altogether on doing things like tuning in to watch a service or go to watch you know worship online and I get it I do I get it I mean, if you have children, depending on their ages and so, what do you do with them while you sit in your family room and watch TV worship? It takes work to make that work. It really does. Uh, I was talking to one family. I was asking them what they were doing. And so that worship really matters to this family. And to make worship work from them at home, they treat it like a normal Sunday. They get up. They have breakfast. They get dressed like they were going to church. Uh, I'm not sure what that means because, you know... Some of you dress pretty casually. But anyhow, uh, they, they go into their family room, you know, where the TV is. They sit down and, and they sit down, you know, when the, uh, they're told to sit down and they pray and they stand up and they, they sing uh, and so on. And they do the confessions together together. Uh, during the sermon they give their kids because their kids are real little things to do like color or crafts or you know play with legos or whatever but but it's a lot of prep work and thought that goes into the family worship before the family worships but they they do it because they know they need worship now i didn't ask them i should have i should have asked them how they were liking all of that I'm, i'm guessing they probably don't like it that much But they wanted to maintain the important family rhythm of worshiping God together. And now I know there are many of you that have stories that are variations of that theme, right? Um, I know too, everyone could tell stories, some of them funny, maybe some of them tragic, about how your attempts did or did not work trying to worship from home. But know this, know this. All of your attempts, whether they worked great or they were just a a great family story of failure, whichever it was or something in between, know this. Your attempts to worship God greatly delight him and honor him and give him glory. They really, really do. Um, Now, I, I know, too, that for many individuals and families in this season... Man, COVID has meant an almost complete disconnect from practicing any rhythm of weekly worship. And hear me on this, I mean this. That is not good. Not good. And if that's you, and you happen to be tuning into this message, and it's been weeks since you've tuned in or, you know, found yourself actually trying to participate in, in worship with us, uh, and here we are talking about this subject, wow, what a coincidence. Do, do, do you think God wants to talk to you? Actually, be assured he's talking to all of us, but... You see, disconnecting from weekly worship, man, it's not good. It's not good spiritually. It doesn't help you connect with the Father when you disconnect from worship. It doesn't help you connect relationally because although relating on a Sunday morning when we gather, is a little weird mass and distancing and stuff, we are still attempting to connect. And, And also, coming and connecting like this is a really good rhythm to establish in a family that says, Hey, family. This really matters to us. I would also say it's not only not good spiritually not to gather and worship, it's not good relationally for connecting with God's people. The truth is we need each other even to do worship. And when we don't gather, we pay a price. Now, you know, if I'm describing you, I'm really, I'm not here to dump guilt on you. The challenges of living in the land of COVID have been and are real there are real challenges to this. We all know this. We all feel this. What I'd rather do than, than, you know, dump guilt at you or something is offer some possible solutions for this. Some of you have told me that you would love to come back, but you don't feel that you can because there's nothing age appropriate for your kids. Uh, and we get that. Totally. We get that. So as we look to the fall, let's talk about things that are going to unfold and roll out this fall. I want to offer us a challenge and an opportunity in this area of reaching up and gathering together to connect with God. But but before I do that, here's a parenthesis. In this time that we're in, this season that we're in, let me just challenge you personally to really, really commit, if you haven't, commit to things like just reading the Bible on a daily basis. Personal prayer on a daily basis. Wow, these things more than ever are important right now. Find a time in each day when you just open the pages of your Bible and read, have a plan to do that. Use the Moravian text. I'm reading out of, I've said before, the chronological Bible. I just thought I was going to read it cover to cover, and I've been enjoying that. I'm about two-thirds through it. Get a plan. Read in the Old Testament. Read in the New. Make a commitment. Be disciplined. Feed yourself the Word of God, and then talk back to God. That's called prayer as you do that. This is vitally important, especially in a time where we are in many ways disconnected from one another. That's just on a personal level. But something else I would challenge you, and this is a big one. This is a big one for us now. Um, And that is, come back to worship with us here. Come back to worship with us here. Now, here's the thing. Starting September 27th, we're giving you lead time for this, okay? So you can work up to it and plan into it. September the 27th, we are going to three services. 8.30, 8.30. 10 o'clock and 11.30, excuse me, 11.30. <laughs> Hope I'm there for it. Um, this is important. You know, we're seven months out of the habit, many of us, from doing this. And because of social distancing, we, we can't just fill the room up with folks. And so that's why we're doing this. Uh, we want to create an opportunity for people to gather weekly together. In worship, It's an important rhythm. We believe this so strongly that our staff and our Sunday morning volunteers are willing to commit to three services each Sunday, doing the same thing over in each service. This is going to mean that individuals and families, families with kids will be able to come to church again. We're not asking you, you know, to come just twice a month. We're asking you to be here every Sunday. That's the big change. And we're giving you three options to be here and I would just challenge you to consider making this a personal and family priority again it's important friends come back to worship now um, yes to do so you, you got a few inconveniences for example you got to register you got to let us know you're coming uh, for several reasons. One, that lets us know who's in a given service, so if a massive COVID breakout ha- happens, we know exactly who was here in that service. That's one reason, it's just safety. But the other one is so that we have a seat for you. <laughs> we, you have to register so that we know that you have a seat to sit in when you get here. Uh, we've set the room up in here in the sanctuary so that there are approximately a certain number of seats. I'm not going to say it, but there's always more seats than people who register. We've had some people say back to us, hey, how come there's always empty seats? Well, it's because we've designed it that way, okay? Only a certain number of people are allowed to gather with us, and we've got extra seats, but we don't know if you're coming in clumps or if you're going to clump together with people you know or you don't want that, you want distance. So that's what we're creating for you here in this room and in our lobby and out on the patio. So uh, that's kind of what's going on, and it's a bit of a hassle It's a bit of a hassle to come back to worship. It's not like sitting at home, you know, in your pajamas. You have to get dressed. We don't want anybody here in your pajamas. Um, You have to pick a service ahead of time. That takes a slight amount of forethought, right? And you have to commit to coming because if you sign up and you don't come, you're going to hell. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. We're going to delete that from the video because that could get me defrocked. But you get the idea. I mean, don't sign up and then don't come unless you're providentially hindered. If you sign up, be here, join us. You know, the point is, there is a bit of a hassle to this coming back to church. There is. But so what? There's a hassle to everything right now. If you want to go to Home Depot, if you want to go to Safeway or King Supers, you got to wear a mask. You want to go into a business, a public business, you got to wear a mask. So just do it. You'll do it for those things. Will you not do it for worship? I believe it's time we reconnect. You know, in a church, it's easy to get an applause for that line. It's, it's sort of like saying, hey, Denver! You know, everybody wants it. So, but you know what? Here, here's a, here is a, a caveat to that. If you're high risk, oh, please be wise. And stay home if it's risky for you to come into a gathering like this. Don't don't put yourself in danger. Uh, Tune in, watch online. It's way second best, but you know what? It still matters, it still counts, it still honors and delights God. But be wholly appropriate in taking precautions if you're high risk. Now, I do want everybody who thinks about coming back to worship to know this. Here at our worship services, when we gather together, we are social distancing. We are wearing masks. The only people not wearing masks are people up here on this platform. The social distance between us and the first row is more than 25 feet. Uh, You you need to know, too, that uh, we are a no-touch service. That's why we have these little cups. We're not passing the communion plate. We're not passing the offering bag and things of that nature. Everybody's wearing masks. We're cleaning surfaces before, after, after. Uh, and, and between services, we're managing traffic flow. People come in, people go out a certain way. In fact, I keep forgetting, but at the end of the service, I'm supposed to say, stay in your seats and the ushers are gonna dismiss you. Kind of like one of those formal weddings kind of a thing. And we're just gonna do that to help traffic flow. Here's the thing, we are doing all the things that we can to the very best of our ability to ensure that this is a safe environment. We've got uh, new units in our air conditioners, which actually move the air constantly, bringing fresh air into the facility. We've got air cleaning boxes, that's what these black boxes are up here. These are uh, created by NASA, so they can not only clean the air, they can also take you to the moon. It's amazing, it's amazing we're doing these things just to be as safe as we can be friends because we need to and I think though we need to rekindle the habit of gathering to worship our great God so what if it's harder I don't care I hope you don't either so what if it means wearing masks or social distancing so what let's do it anyway Let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering and let us do that by not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Friends, if you are in the habit of not meeting together, if that's become your habit, man, that's a habit you need to break, really. That habit's not good for you. You need worship and I need worship and we need to worship Together and I believe God will be delighted with our collective efforts to worship Him, even though they're harder. now to help families, a couple of other important announcements for families uh, for, for families with kids, nursery and preschool will reopen next Sunday. Nursery and preschool, okay That's opening next Sunday. <laughs> And uh, we're planning also to launch a modified elementary children's ministry. And that will happen, here's the heads up on this September 27, okay? September 27. That's giving you some lead time to plan on how to get back. That's gonna be five year olds and up. And uh, we are going to have that children's ministry. At the 10 o'clock service, for starters. If we need to add it to another service, we'll make every attempt to do exactly that. But you need to know, families, if you've got kids and you want them in the children's ministry and you want to come to worship, come to the 10 o'clock. That means, for those of you that don't have kids, don't want kids, don't want to be around kids, don't come to the 10 o'clock service. Uh, Come to one of the other three services, okay? Uh, and we'll be sending out more information about all those things. So anyway, now shift gears with me. Uh, let's talk for a moment about reaching in. You know, reaching in for us here at Deer Creek Church is all about small groups. It's all about small groups. We believe that real life change happens uh, best in the context of deep and meaningful or growing friendships, relationships, relationships, which is why we encourage everyone at Deer Creek Church to get into a small group. It's going to be hard for you to grow and be spiritually healthy the way you should be if you choose not to participate in a small group. In the Bible, we observe that early Christians from the very first day worshiped in the temple slash church, that's what it would be like, and they met in their homes together. Acts chapter 2 says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's a lot going on there in that paragraph. As we continue to read in the book of Acts, we find that when they met together in homes, they did things like read and study scripture. They did things like praying, praying to God about needs that members in their home group had. They ate together. They actually took communion together often. They encouraged one another. And that, friends, has been happening since day one of the existence of the New Testament church. Why? Well, again, biggest reason is Jesus did it. What Jesus did in his ministry here on earth right from the start is it was a process that evolved. But right from the start, he started to create a little community of people. Early on, it was Peter, James, and John, but then he added Matthew, a tax collector, to it. Then he went out and got Simon the Zealot and added Simon. And it was one after another until he had a dozen of them. And I guess he decided that's enough. You know, there are 12 tribes of Israel, and I think he wanted 12 disciples slash apostles. They became apostles eventually had authority, represented Jesus, furthered Jesus' teaching. But Jesus created this little tight community with himself, started doing that right from the beginning of his public ministry. Why? Well, because I think he knew that they needed that, the church needed that, and seems like it worked. Seems like it worked pretty good. Um, Now, COVID, here again, COVID has taken its toll on this part of the life of the church as well. Although we've had a few small groups continue meeting right through the pandemic, that nothing was going to stop them. Uh, Some uh, met, you know, Zooming it. uh, Some met uh, in person. Uh, If we're being honest, we'd have to admit that the majority of groups closed. They, They couldn't find a way to make it work during the pandemic. And we'd be lying if we didn't acknowledge that the relational toll that that takes on the church, huge. It is huge. Understand, small groups connect us. Small groups help us shepherd each other. Small groups help us grow spiritually. Uh, Small groups in our church serve as a safety net in case of emergencies, in case of sickness, in case of crisis. And when small groups stop meeting, all kinds of things like that immediately begin to suffer. And people start to feel isolated, and for good reason, because they are basically what happens is we start to disconnect. And so friends, I'd say again, it's time that we fire up small groups. It's time. And so small group registration for us here at Deer Creek starts next Sunday, August 30th. And you've got a a period of weeks there to sign up for a small groups, which begin on September 20th. Uh, That'll be a big launch date for us. We have over 40 small groups for you to choose from for the fall term which goes from September through November. There's groups for men. There's groups for women. There's groups for couples. There's groups for youth. There's groups for people with questions about Christianity, Christianity Explore. There's groups for people wanting to better manage and handle their finances. There's a mental health group called Overcome. It's a great group. There's a mops group for moms of young kids. Uh, There's a young adults groups. There's activity groups. There's groups for retired people. Now, some of these groups are going to meet in person. I guess they're going to decide if they're wearing masks or not wearing masks. Some groups are going to meet online still, depending on the needs of group members. So again, unless meeting in a small group puts you at high risk, if that's the case, then don't do it. Be smart, be safe, be wise. But if you can, my challenge to you is join in to reaching in. You need it. But just as importantly, other people need you. That's important. Reaching in. Now, last thing, reaching out. Can I get an amen right there? I feel like I I wasted a whole section of the sermon because I I preached that and there was nothing. So anyhow, okay. So the last thing, last thing is reaching out. Now, (laughs) this too is something, where, where do we get this idea? Well, obviously we got it from Jesus. Very obviously, Jesus even said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many, meaning you, me. And Jesus in his earthly ministry, he taught, he healed, he fed, he did all kinds of things. Um, He was always in the process of, of serving, but you know what, when he did it, here's what's interesting to me. He was always gathering the disciples with him into this business of serving. Uh, When he fed the 5,000, for example, which we read about in Matthew 14 and Mark 6 and Luke 9 and John 6. When he he fed the 5,000, you know, read the account and then ask yourself, who finds the fish? Who hands out the fish? Who has the people sit down in groups? Who distributes it? Who picks it all up? The the leftovers. Well, it was the disciples. Jesus had the disciples doing this, you see. Uh, Another thing uh, in Luke chapter 6, very interesting passage. Jesus has been up connecting with his heavenly father all night long, talking, uh, worshiping the heavenly father. And then he comes down and it's a really a defining moment. He chooses 12 of the apostles, 12 of the disciples. And he makes them that inner group. You're you're my guys, he says. These are the apostles. And uh, he uh, then has them come along with him as he goes further down the mountain. And there's a bunch of crowds gathered there. And he begins to teach those crowds, but we also read that he begins to heal them. And who's right there with him? Well, these disciples, these apostles-to-be, the 12 disciples. The point is Jesus demonstrated how to serve and called his disciples to use their spiritual gifts just, just as he had been using his. And that's what we see in the book of Acts. This just keeps gaining momentum. Peter, John, Paul, Barnabas using spiritual gifts. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives all of us spiritual gifts for the purpose of serving each other, for the purpose of serving the community, the neighbors that are around us. So we have gifts of leading or teaching or wisdom or mercy or administration or helps and and so on, all different kinds of gifts. And these gifts a disciple uses to serve, to serve in the church and to serve out there. Now, man, during COVID and stay at home, lockdown kinds of things, you had to have your antenna up and your eyes and ears open to find ways to serve, perhaps. One of the things we started here, many of you know, some of you participated in it, was the distribution ministry. You know, we had people there using gifts of help and administration and mercy. Uh, people would uh, drive up in their cars, and we were dispensing all kinds of things. We had, we had a total over the weeks that we did this of 308 cars, We guesstimated about 1,500 people represented. Uh, We gave away $18,000 of food and supplies that, frankly, all of you gave for that. And uh, all of this was done through volunteers at the church, running this, organizing this. They'd go out to the cars. People would fill out what it was they wanted. They would also ask the people, is there anything we can pray for you about? And almost all the time, people are like... Yeah, yeah, I do have some stuff I could use prayer on. And prayer would happen right there. And it was really cool. It's really a cool way to serve. But uh, even here, when we're talking about reaching out, truth be told, COVID has had an impact and not necessarily a good one. You know, right now on Sunday mornings with with the coffee bar closed, with formal hospitality ministry, did you notice when you came in, we didn't hand you a bulletin? We can give you a hug. We can give you a kiss on the cheek and things. Not that we ever did that, but, you know, I, I mean, it, it, that stuff's not happening for obvious reasons. It's, it, it can't happen. It's not healthy. It's not good. But what that means is that dozens and dozens of volunteers that would normally be, you know, at work serving on a Sunday morning, they're not. The children's ministry hasn't been meeting, you know, another part of that. Um, and so opportunities to serve both here and in our community, have frankly greatly diminished. So what do we do? Here's the solution. I want everybody to come over to my house. My house needs to be painted. Uh, lawn needs to be mowed. No, I'm I No, no, I gotta, we, we got something better than that. Uh, this is pretty cool. Coming up again in September, so it's a few weeks away. It's actually Saturday, September 26th. We have a a community playground build that's going to happen. Now, we've done this before where we built some playgrounds, but this one's different. This time we're going to be doing it on our own property uh, right here at the south side of our building, right over here. Uh, We're building a playground. I mean, I don't mean a crappy, uh, I mean a good cool playground. This is something that we have wanted to do for years, but for various reasons weren't able to. One of the big reasons is money. This is not cheap. This is actually an expensive project. Uh, Well, somebody in our church heard that this was a project on our wish list, something that we thought would be really helpful to our children's ministry, to mops ministry, to small groups that want to meet out here. And so what we're going to be building, there's going to be a patio out here That small groups can use and attach right to it as a big old playground area. And again, this wouldn't be happening were not for the graciousness of a family in this church that just said, "We're going to make that happen." How cool is that? How cool is that? Yeah. (laughs) Now, as I said, this is not a small project. It's going to completely transform the south end of the property down here, and uh, we're happening in September. And we need your help. We're going to build this out. Together. And we're going to do it in a very inconvenient fashion. We'll be wearing masks as we need to. Uh, We'll be trying to social distance, sort of, only sort of, because, you know, there are going to be times when, you know, hey, guy, get over here and help me lift this. You know, it's going to work that way. Uh, But COVID is not going to stop us from accomplishing this project. We're doing it. Now, we hope you'll join us because otherwise, Sonia and Tim and I will be doing it, and you will not be happy with the result, okay? (laughs) That I can promise you. It's going to take a bunch of us to do this. Now, you're going to be hearing more about this, but I just want to reiterate, we are incredibly thankful for this gift that lets us do this. Wouldn't be happening without it. We're incredibly thankful for the opportunity for many of us to just serve. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't have any kids. Now I do have some grandkids, but ah, they're grandkids. I don't have any kids, so this isn't for me. You see, I'm <laughs> getting booed. Okay, we're incredibly thankful for the blessing that this is going to be, because that's the truth. To children's ministry, to small groups, groups like MOPS, we're incredibly thankful to Jesus. That in the midst of COVID, we can still see something like this happen. Now, before we end, one more thing I want to mention. This is a big thing. It's happening this fall, also. This has to do with outreach. Uh, we have a young couple that's going to be joining us here at Deer Creek Church. It's Matt and Tiffany Cohn. Uh, they're new church planting residents. Uh, Matt is uh, they, uh, they'll actually, Matt and Tiffany will be out here in a couple weeks. And uh, Matt will be getting ordained, one of the first things he's got to do. Tiffany works for Crew Ministries. They both have worked for Crew in the past. And uh, you'll have an opportunity over the months, over the years, to get to know them. For two years, they'll be right here among us, laboring among us. The third year, they start really looking out and deciding where God wants them to place the church. Now, I'm going to give you another little piece of information that, frankly, nobody knows. And that is this. We just had another couple here last week. Or was it two weeks ago? That all blurs into the, but they were just here. We were interviewing them for them to come out and plant a church one year from now. So we've got Matt and Tiffany coming and a couple right after them following on the following year. And this is so cool, friends. I want you to understand this is who we are at Deer Creek Church. We want to make disciples, right? And we believe that the best way, the most long lasting impact kind of way to make disciples is to plant churches. COVID or no COVID, doesn't matter. We believe this. And we can, uh, we, we're can. We simply amazed at the gracious goodness of God that we are able to advance this ball this fall and next year in the midst of COVID. Almost no church that we know, we partner with churches who do this, but for various reasons, they haven't been able to do this. We're still able to do it. And that is because of your graciousness, your goodness in making this happen. You know, last uh, fall, we launched Elevate Hope Centennial, a church that we continue to partner with. We love these guys. This is Brett and Aaron Weston. And we continue to support them. In fact, we met last week just for a kind of strategy meeting. How's it going? What do you need to do? How would you have liked to launch a church last last September and then in March COVID hits. You would think that would kill a church plant but in God's goodness and graciousness Elevate Hope Centennial has actually attracted people online who have come and are now joining them in their worship that happens at the school where they meet but outdoors. It's super cool we're very excited about this we love Elevate Hope Centennial but at the same time and as I said, amazing to us, we get to continue to advance the ball on other fronts with this whole church planting thing. I could not be more thankful for that opportunity to join hands with Matt and Tiffany to do church plant number two. And then the pipeline in back of them is church plant number three. It's coming. It's on the way. Here we go. COVID or no COVID, planting another church. I say, what fun. This is going to be great. Here we go. We hope some of you will go with them. God is continuing to do great things COVID or no COVID loving on others, blessing communities that's why we want to put a church in a community elsewhere that will stand up and announce who Jesus is and do it humbly do it graciously do it in a way that blesses the community so anyway that's what's happening this fall we wanted you to know we're not going to be sleeping this fall a lot of good stuff that God is doing in us and in our community and in the world. And here's the deal. We're just simply not going to let COVID stop us from reaching up and reaching in and reaching out. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. That we can celebrate what you've called us to do. And we thank you, God, that you're actually equipping and empowering and providing all the things that are needed to do it better and to do it more. And we pray that this fall, God, would be a time where you richly bless us as a congregation. And we pray that you would help us to come back and gather together for worship, Father, and to do that safely. We pray that you would help us to engage in small groups in ways that help us grow and bring blessing and encouragement to one another and to do that safely. And we pray, God, for our efforts at reaching out and serving others, whether it's building a playground or planting a church. God, help us to do these things effectively. This we pray, this we ask, in Jesus' name, amen.